You have entered the realm of critical analysis, critical strangeness, critical mass, and cretinous humor. Fasten your convictions, then for a bumpy ride. Hello and welcome to the Polyschismatic Reprobate Hour. Here with a face for radio and a voice for silent film, I'm Dan the Demented. And joining me this season are the missing links, Danny Shade, Hera Flea, and a number of others. On this show, we advocate unspeakable obscenities, such as freedom of speech, freedom of inquiry, open communication, and personal responsibility. If critical examination of the issues you hold dear offends you, don't firebomb the internet, don't send in Islamic extremists to assassinate us, and don't pray for us, just switch to another podcast. Today is August 25th, the day Mer Lafferty makes her run on Amazon.com. The book is playing for keeps, and I've included a review of it at the end of this episode. The following talk does not have me at the top of my game, which is kind of why I kept it in the archives until now. When I discovered her Heaven series over at PatioBooks.com, I I was so blown away that I asked her on, and I asked her on right as I was finishing listening to it, so all through this interview I was fighting against falling into fawning fanboy mode. And it kind of shows. I also interviewed her before I knew enough about her body of work to sustain the interview for the customary full hour. I intended the whole episode to release during an off-season at some point as a way to give you guys bonus content, but then Murr got her book deal and I realized I needed to release it today to celebrate her inaugural day as a published novel author. So listen to the interview, and while we're talking, head on over to Amazon.com and pick up a copy of Playing for Keeps by Murr Lafferty. You won't be disappointed. I sent Murr an email giving her kudos for her excellent work on Heaven, Technically, she should be writing, and so should I, but we're, but we're both playing hooky from the Word Factory today for just a little bit this afternoon. Welcome to the show, Mer. Thanks for having me on. And you can't write all the time. Well, yeah, but you can try, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I actually first encountered you uh, playing Eva Rothschild in T. Morris's Billabub Battings book. Um, ah, yes. Uh, which was... Absolutely delightful. But you've been around podcasting for quite a lot longer than that, if I'm not mistaken. How did you get started? Uh, I got started soon after podcasting did in uh, 2004. Uh, podcasting started becoming a thing around August, and I had my first show up uh, in December. And that was Geek Fu Action Grip, where I talked about geeky things and uh, read an original essay that I had written, usually focusing on the geek lifestyle, social things, uh, parenting, whatever. Oh, fun. I haven't uh, gotten around to listening to Geek Foo. I'll have to do that. You still do Geek Foo, or is that uh, kind of a dormant project right now? It's it's somewhat dormant. It morphed last year into the uh, what I'm calling the Geek Foo Morning Show, where I uh, just brought in a good friend of mine, Jason Adams, and uh, we just kind of hang out and talk geeky stuff. It's it's less focused than it was, but mm-hmm. um, it's still a little bit alive and seems to make the listeners happy, the the diehard listeners. So, excellent. Um, now, have uh, you say at the beginning of uh, of I should be writing that you're a no longer quite want to be fiction writer, um, but originally the uh, the concept of the show was uh, a podcast for want to be fiction writers by a want to be fiction writer. Um, how long have you been writing and uh, 
What uh, what got that uh, started? Well, the, I first started writing, you know, when I was 12 and wanted to be a writer. <laughs> but uh, seriously putting effort into it and learning about the submission process, etc., uh, maybe about seven years now, maybe eight years. I uh, it, it took a while to get back into it, obviously, and uh, I lost my job. I started getting work doing RPG writing and magazine writing, and uh, started doing the at-home thing. Had a baby, so it's not like I've been writing nonstop for my career for eight years, because that makes it sound kind of sad. But <laughs> in uh, in August 2005, I started writing. Uh, started. I should be writing the the podcast, mm-hmm. and I had, I hadn't sold anything by then, and then that November I had my first sale. So excellent. Was it, that the one to escape pod for the Christmas episode? Yes, it was. It was uh, Santa in my pocket. Excellent. That was a fun story. Thank you. I'm I'm still new to you, so I don't know my whole way around your uh, body of work yet. Oh, there's there's a crap load of it a friend of mine just contacted me and said hey you should look at your mahalo page and i looked at my mahalo page and i was just kind of like did i do all that (laughs) holy crap how did i find time to do all that (laughs) what's what's mahalo uh mahalo is the uh user driven search engine oh nice it's uh jason calacanis's new uh project it's it's like you go there and you can get all of the main uh, sites that are connected to your search thing mm-hmm. with no spam, no... So people actually create the pages for the search topics. Oh, cool. And link to... They link to Wikipedia, link to the person's... They put the person, their personal site, etc. Oh, that sounds very useful. Mm-hmm. And you've just uh, you just consolidated your personal sites. You used to you used to have a site for I should be writing and for playing for keeps and for um, your general resume. And now you just consolidated all that in the last month, right? Into uh... yes, yes. I started the Merverse, which uh, I had a listener ask me, "Okay, I just got into your stuff, and you have an awful lot of it. So where can I get it all? Is there like one feed?" And I said, "Well, no, but that sounds like an interesting idea." So I. Uh, moved i started the merverse where it has one major feed where you can get everything i ever put out plus my main blog and uh all those other sites playing for keeps and i should be writing and geek foo action grip they all still exist and those feeds are all still active but if you want everything i do you can just go to the mervis merverse and <laughs> uh do one feed excellent um heaven of course i contacted you about heaven i thought it was Absolutely fabulous! I'm up to the second to the last episode on Wasteland now. Oh, and, really? Um, oh yeah, and I'm just—you you don't get fiction like this very often. It's you know, the, <laughs> well, the genre blend is glorious. Uh, the conversance, uh, your conversance with mythology is is delightful and impressive. I'm a mythology junkie from way back. Ah, good. And um, you've got. A voice in there, or the, the the voices of the two characters you write through. There is a, there's a sense of of delicacy and gentleness that see that 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 see that's constant even when they're getting their eyeballs ripped out, or um, <laughs> or, or or they're facing down Anubis, or they're they're um, they're tricking Hades out of some of his souls, and that that and it, it's a mask for a lot of of very perceptive 
question raising and the the big moments where it just reduces you to tears creep up on you because of that. And it's really fantastic. What got you started with heaven? Gosh, thank you very much. I, I, uh, I'm sorry. I still have to bask in that praise for a second. Go for it. But uh, <laughs> no, I the the start of heaven was pretty uh, simple. It was well. First, I had um, I'd wanted to do some episodic fiction, just write it and then podcast it, but but I didn't know what. And then mm-hmm. it was uh, Christmas time, and I have I live in the suburbs, and my little development is uh, separated by another little development by about 200 feet of trees Mm -hmm. and so in the summer we can't see them and in the winter you just look through this this uh woods with no trees and it's it's all kind of fence twigs right yeah yeah you can see you can see the other houses uh pretty well but one of the houses had just gone all out and decorated for christmas and the lights were just phenomenal and through the trees you really you know you lost enough detail to where your your imagination could fill in whatever it wanted, and it looked absolutely glorious. And I looked through the trees, and I thought, that is so beautiful. And I know that if I walk through the trees, I'll see a suburban house with Christmas lights on it. Mm-hmm. And I was just, and that just started my imagination going, well, you know, what else do we expect to be glorious and perfect and great? And maybe when you get there, it's, a house with Christmas tree lights on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'd always wondered about how, about the, the concept of heaven and how what really makes us happy in life is overcoming of conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, when you really feel like you've earned a day, you know, if you sit, if you, if you sit down on a Saturday afternoon, it doesn't feel as good as if, as when you sit down after a really hard day of work. Yeah. Unless you've spent the morning gardening or something. Yeah, that that sense of earning and ownership gives a satisfaction yeah. to the moment that you don't otherwise get. Yeah, and and so if if heaven is perfection, then you're not going to have conflict. And if you do have conflict, it's going to be fabricated. Right. And I'm not I'm not I'm not saying this is what I believe. This is just you know what what's going on in my mind trying mm-hmm. to comprehend perfection. And uh, you know who knows maybe our personalities are shifted to where the ultimate reward is 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 that feeling of sitting down after the hard day only the hard day was the 70 years we just spent on earth right but still it, it was just something that made me wonder so i took my characters and i killed them in the first uh chapter and i sent them to heaven and i made them not like it <laughs> and then they just started wandering around other afterlives which are all connected by a road and it, it gets great from there it's, that's fabulous i'm gonna have to remember that the Christmas lights through the trees. So mm-hmm. is um, is Wasteland going to be the end of it, or is it going to continue? No, there's one more. You'll find out the name of it when you're done with the... Uh, okay. At the very end of episode 10. Okay, cool. Yes, there. there it doesn't... It, it, see, this is something that I've been thinking about lately, because um, Earth ended with a large cliffhanger. Right. And I don't think Wasteland does. I think I tie up the loose ends about the main plot of Wasteland and then leave enough open to indicate that there will be another season. While some people are saying that it was a cliffhanger because there are still open <laughs> threads. And I'm like, look, well, life cliffhanger. Is like that. <laughs> exactly, but cliffhanger, it means the hero is hanging at the edge of a right. cliff, the episode ends, and you don't know their fate. Yep. Well, 
you know the fate nobody's i mean i'm not yeah. trying to spoil anything for you but nobody's in danger at the end of wasteland it's stuff happens stuff gets mm -hmm. resolved and we're all going okay what's next yeah and there's a big difference between a cliffhanger in that sense that it could go on if you wanted it to right there will be one more in it i'm i'm hoping it is novel length all of the Ooh, other seasons fun. have been novella length about 25 26000 words mm -hmm. but the uh, the last one should be as much as I want to put into it, it's going to be larger. Excellent. Do you have a start date for it yet? Or is since it's novel length, are you writing it first before you go and record it? Or how are you um, um, going to do that? I think I want to write it first. And I'm in the middle of another project right now. So I won't be able to write it for a little while. So I'm thinking fall. Okay. Well, bless you for not ending on a cliffhanger than making us wait no. till fall. <laughs> No, I, I I felt bad after Earth. It's it's uh just the timing didn't work out there. But uh, I was lucky enough to stumble upon it two weeks ago, so I didn't have oh. to wait through that terrible gap. <laughs> so you didn't end it last September and go, uh, what? No, no, I um, I I got it. I got it on. I thought it would be some good light listening while I polished up a screenplay, and it was completely absorbing. You ruined three days of writing for me. It's <laughs> like powered through the whole thing. I wound up having to do graphic design work because I could not, you know, could not work with words while I was listening to it. Yeah, I don't recommend that. No, you're, you're, you'll either mess up your own stuff or miss half of what you're listening to. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, it's one thing to listen to lectures in the background or nonfiction books, but you get a good fiction book and it's like, Ugh. yeah, completely screws up your groove. Now, um, did you start the Heaven series before playing for keeps or was playing for keep? Did that happen in the middle? I haven't listened to playing for keeps yet so i don't actually know what it's about so no the actual playing for keeps is a project that i've been working on for many years uh it started as a novella actually it started as a short story that got longer and longer i finished it as a novella i looked at it i thought and i realized it had to be a novel so um it has been years in the writing and rewriting and uh it, it technically is my first novel although you know people heard heaven before they ever heard that um, it's it's novel length work about people who have um, there there are superheroes in the world, but there are also people who have powers that are definitely superhuman, but nothing you would ever use to fight crime. They're kind of lame, mm -hmm. and so this is about <laughs> those people who, you know, they look at the heroes and they see, you know, the the starting varsity basketball players mm -hmm. getting the girls and they see the homecoming queens and you know they see bullies mm -hmm. while everybody else is going oh my gosh the heroes yay and uh there are also super villains who look at our embittered uh protagonists and think hey wow i bet we could use these guys so uh they get kind of caught in the middle of this sort of gray area of well we really don't want to help the villains because they're evil but the heroes are such jerks we don't really want to help them either so <laughs> oh your geeky heritage is showing i love it <laughs> i'm not ashamed of it yeah uh, i was i've been a geek my whole life too and i'm like hey that sounds familiar <laughs> exactly yeah some people are saying well was that uh is that sort of like a a, a metaphor for podcasting the way you you're 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 like pushing out your own stuff and you're giving the finger to big publishing. I'm like, no, go further back. It's all high school, dude. <laughs> I did not get to date the varsity basketball player and I did not get to be homecoming queen. Oh, and I'm thirty four years old and I'm still a little bitter. 
Yeah, but you get you get to head panels at Balticon, so you know you're getting it back. Oh no, I'm perfectly oh. happy with my life right now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm loving it right now. Oh, that's but, uh, fabulous. So, what? Um, when did you decide to start podcasting your fiction? It's you're you're kind of a girl in what is mostly a boys' club at the moment. It's uh, you know, of, of the of the big six or seven names in podcasting, it's just you and Philippa Ballantyne sitting up at the top of podcast fiction and. Everyone else is writing high testosterone thrillers. <laughs> um, I got, I was actually very against podcasting my fiction. Um, I was under the impression that if you don't get paid, it's not worth your time. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I realized that giving your stuff to an editor who will then turn the work around to make money or get. Or, or benefit from your work and you get nothing. Mm-hmm. That's really what I'm against. And I've seen the benefit of releasing your own work on your own terms to your own listeners or your own readers, mm-hmm. as I did with Playing for Keeps, because I released that in PDF form as well so people could read it. Um, but I learned that, you know, building your audience is a viable thing. I have thousands of listeners who are passionate about my work and i'm just hoping one of these days a publisher or an agent is going to look at this you know it's like the the mm-hmm. that cell phone commercial you've got this, all these people behind <laughs> you and you're like hi i'm a writer and these guys are with me so yep. um you want to sign me i i it might be cool so um but yeah i it's funny you should mention it like that i was uh talking to my mentor last summer and this was before the the launch of Playing for Keeps, and he's like, "There are too many male superstars in podcast fiction. You have to get up there." <laughs> and I said, "Uh, okay, like that's easy. Sure, I'll just get right on that." Was but, that uh, uh, Cory Doctorow? No, that was J- James Patrick Kelly. Oh, oh, I love his stuff. Yeah, he's fantastic. I, I was, uh, I went to Viable Paradise, the sci-fi weekly sci-fi workshop, not weekly, week long sci-fi workshop in 2006 and both Corey and jim kelly were my uh instructors there oh and i've stayed in touch with jim kelly and he's just so fantastic and has been so nice to give me advice along the way and uh he's just a fantastic fantastic man well so you you took a moment earlier to bask in the praise i'm going to take a moment here to bask in the envy Taking a lead from you and T and Sigler and Harwood and Hutchins, I have started podcasting my fiction just very recently, so I'm the new kid on the block here. The last, so the last few months, I've had a lot of you on here to pick your brains and promote your stuff. So awesome. My, my nefarious plan here. Um, now I um. I'm from the uh, from the East Bay in California, and so when I did NaNoWriMo this year, I went to the launch party where I think it's Chris Batty is the guy that runs it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where he was and um, got to talking to him, and you're very heavily involved in promoting NaNoWriMo. Your name came up in the conversation. and uh, Really? And what, Chris yeah. Batty? Mm-hmm. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just – that's cool. Yeah, he, he referred me to the NaNoMonkeys and said you were a big force behind it. Ah, yes, yes. I did the Nano Monkeys the first year, but last year I was doing Playing for Keeps and I didn't want to commit and then let the Nano Monkeys down. So, gotcha. So, uh, so tell us about NaNoWriMo and Nano Monkeys and all that good stuff. Well, NaNoWriMo has never actually landed on a time personally when 
it has been easy for me to do it. I've always been really focused on uh, other projects. I tried it one year and I failed, but I think it's uh, fantastic because the biggest thing facing wannabe writers is not whether they suck or not, and it's not whether they can get published or not. It's just the fact that they don't sit down and write. Mm -hmm. And NaNoWriMo is completely built around the fact you've got to get your butt in the chair and you've got to get the words on the paper, and it doesn't even matter how good or bad they are. You just have to do it. And I think that's fantastic. And a lot of people are saying, oh, you're just encouraging a lot of crappy writers to sit down and write. And I'm like, well, yeah. (laughs) That's kind of the point. That's the point. I mean, we're all crappy when we start out. Mm-hmm. I can tell you about the plot of my first novel. It's got unicorns and all of my best friends from eighth grade. But you don't want to hear it. Oh, that sounds as bad as my first novel. Oh, man. So, uh, you know, I, I sucked. Boy, mm-hmm. did I suck. Oh, but, yeah. You know, when I love, I love uh, my two physical fitness um, passions. Are, although I will admit that I'm not heavily involved with either of them right now, but I have been in the past, are running and kung fu. And I see so much parallel between both of those and writing. Mm-hmm. And I just say, you know, you look at somebody who's kind of pudgy and out of shape and you say, wow, you could never run a marathon. You know, not NaNoWriMo today. would just be, right. would be you getting out and running. And we don't want to see you run because someone like you could never run a marathon. And, you know, the the real answer is... Well, like you said, not today, mm-hmm. but I got to get out there and start. Yep. I got to open the door and I got to get on the street and I got to put one foot in front of the other. And I might throw up and I might really be sore, mm-hmm. but if I do it tomorrow, it'll be a little bit easier and I might suck a little less. And I think NaNoWriMo really opens that up to some people and some people fail. I failed. I'll be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. Yeah, I, I... But I I got uh, swamped with gigs middle of November last year, and I compl- I just I had to drop out fifteen days in. Yeah, yeah. November yeah. two years ago, I was editing, playing for keeps, to final draft, and then November of this year or this past year, I was podcasting, playing for keeps. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was not really a good time for me to focus <laughs> on that. But um, I still think it's a fabulous thing to get people started. Oh, yeah. And uh, I I net, the Nano Monkeys is um, gosh. It was, I believe it was started by P.G. Holyfield, the author of Murder at Abaddon Hill. Mm-hmm. And um, Chris Miller and K.J. Johnson and I were the first four who did it. And uh, what we did was just like one to five minute podcasts every day focusing on different aspects of writing, whether it be absolutely detailed on point of view or just a, wow, it's day 15. This is hard, isn't it? It sucks. Mm-hmm. Have you hit have you hit your word count cuz I haven't. And you know, just just sort of conversational keep going kind of thing. And you know, as we're it, it, just like NaNoWriMo, as we're trying to come up with 30 topics, we we started reaching and you know, just wondering, okay, since we're just trying to come up with topics, let's just come up with a topic of trying to come up with more words today and you know, one of my mm-hmm. favorite ones, I didn't actually write it. I believe uh, Chris Miller did this one, but I came up with the idea of it was calling it his turgid rod, right? Throwing in a sex scene. And <laughs> but, nice. uh, it, it was a lot of fun to do. And I think this year they branched it out to include more podcasters like uh, the incredibly prolific Jared Axelrod mm-hmm. and uh, maybe some other people I can't remember. But uh, that's been PG Holyfield's uh, baby. And I think it's been a great project. Yeah, it, it was it was loads of fun to listen to this year. I haven't gone back and listened to last year's yet, but um, 
Yeah, it was um, I got got a chance to meet uh, Joe Esterhaus on his book tour last September, right before um, deciding to do NaNoWriMo. And he told me that um, that the biggest problem that new writers have is that they have not cultivated the German virtue of Setzenfleisch, which means the ability to sit on one's ass. Um, and he went on to say the most talented writers will never produce anything because they're too yes. used to things coming easily. And it's uh, you, you don't develop skill that way. You get to a certain point with your talent and then you just stall. And most yes. really talented people never get past that hump, whereas most people who are one notch down the talent pole know that they've got to compete to get over that. And they're the ones that become the prolific writers. Exactly. There's, And there's also the fact of if you know you're talented and you expect things to be handed to you mm-hmm. and they don't happen to, you might quit. Well, I know that I'm not the best writer out there, but I also know that if that talented person quits, that's one less manuscript in the pile that I have to yep. compete against. And so I, I, I know I will get an agent someday and I know I will be published someday because I'm not going to quit. That's that's all. Yep. The the law of averages supports me in this. If I keep if I keep throwing the dart, it's going to hit something eventually. <laughs> yep. Well, good luck. Have you gotten any interest in uh, heaven or playing for keeps yet? Uh, playing for keeps is on the desk of one publisher right now. They're reading the full manuscript, and uh, I am doing an agent search with heaven right now. And two, I haven't I haven't pinged that many agents, but two of them are looking at the full manuscripts right now. So. Uh, I need to get off my butt and actually focus on the agent hunt right now, but uh, I haven't done that yet. <laughs> well, good luck when you get there. Thank you. Uh, uh, have you got anything coming up that you'd like people to know about? Um, guest um, appearances on other podcasts, any new projects of your own, um, con appearances, anything? I'll be doing a signing at Constellation Books in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, the first weekend in May, I believe. I think that's May 6th. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'll be doing Balticon, and I will be attending Origins, but um, it'll be pretty easy to find me, because I'll either be at the Arkham Horror table or at whatever board game podcasting uh, group meetup thing there is. And... uh, there's, there's, then of course, Dragon Con. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a local con around here called Trinicon, which is, I usually show up for at least one day. It wasn't that good last year, but the year before that, it was awesome. So um, it's a hit and miss. I'm going to mm-hmm. see what I can do to maybe make it a little better this year, but I don't know how much work I could put into it. Um, and as for projects, right now, I'm focusing on just I should be writing and uh, working on another novel. But start debuting at Balticon will be a new audio drama that I'm going to be writing. And uh, that'll probably be around 10 or 12 episodes to start out with. And then we'll see if we can get a season two out there. Fabulous. But that'll be called The Takeover. And it's about uh, zombies in the workplace. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, that was it was it was going to be a video podcast. Um when I worked at Lulu TV and we had everything set up, but then they laid us all off. And so mm. we could not do the video podcast anymore. So I decided to turn it into an audio drama, which is going to be challenging because a lot of our jokes were visual in nature. We even went out and bought like 
fake brains and fake hands and a big old bucket <laughs> of fake blood. And nice. so of course, yeah. So when we got laid off, we, we set, we split up the blood and the hands and the brains. And, mm-hmm. um, so now it's just, that's all going to have to be audio gags. So I've got a little bit of work ahead of me, but I'm looking forward to it. I haven't really done an audio drama before, so it should be fun. It sounds like fun. Uh, let me know if you need, uh, if you need any voices, I do quite a number of accents. Oh, great. The um, the Seventh Sun clones showing up in hell. Oh, yes. Yes, I got to write, I, I got to write uh, sanctioned Seventh Sun fanfic. <laughs> as, 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 as we come up the road and you start describing the different ones, I'm like, oh, my God, she stole Hutchins' characters. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened was uh, Hutchins and Sigler were doing a big crossover at that time, and I was chatting with uh, JC, and I'm just like, you know, I wish I could do that, but you know, I'm writing a fantasy, and it just it just wouldn't work. And then suddenly, I thought, wait a minute. By the time hell happens, everybody on Earth is dead. So, <laughs> I could have every single person from his books in my afterlife because it wouldn't be spoiling. You know, it wouldn't be spoiling who had died in Seventh Son because they would all be dead. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him about it, and he said sure. And you know, he read it beforehand and and approved it and. That was a lot of fun to use. Yeah, it, it that was it was a it was one of the it starts out as a joke and I thought you were just going to pass by them on the road, right? And then they join up and they all wind up going to the Egyptian judgment. And uh these are spoilers, guys. So if you don't want to hear the spoilers, just skip ahead a bit. Um <laughs> right. But um they wind up going down to the Egyptian judgment and in that scene you unpacked a lot of the um a lot of the philosophical subtext that Hutchins was playing with, with his priest clone versus his atheist clone and everyone Mm -hmm. else. And I was really, really taken aback by that. That was very, very gutsy. Really? Yeah. Well, that was, that was one thing that really uh, fascinated me was, you know, the fact that he had a priest clone and how the priest dealt with his own, uh, issues once he figured once he discovered who he was mm-hmm. and uh, I just I wanted to uh, I wondered what did happen to them or what would happen to them when mm-hmm. they died and uh, it's so I just tried to figure that out in fiction <laughs> and uh, you know like I said JC approved of it so excellent it it played really really well I really really loved that part Thank you. Anyway, um, thanks for coming on the show. And um, where can everyone find your stuff? Everything is at merverse.com. Excellent. You can find links to individual shows if you don't want the whole feed, or the whole feed is right there. In the time since we did this, I've had a chance to listen to Playing for Keeps. And I have to say up front that I am not a big fan of superheroes. Occasionally a standout will come along, like the new Batman movies or the first X-Men film, that will stop me in my tracks and make me cheer, but generally speaking, the whole notion just doesn't appeal to me all that much. I'm a practical guy. I like my magic to be magic, and my techno-wizardry to have a hard science foundation, and superheroes always strike me as trying to have it both ways. Occasionally tipping a hand to the notion of science while pretending that things like radiation or viruses or mutations can explain everything. That and the writing in most superhero stories is pretty spare and juvenile. Playing for Keeps 
is different. Mighty Mur has delivered. The writing is smart, the characters are well-drawn and have surprising depth, and she sneaks in the thought-provoking concepts in sophisticated, subtle ways, teasing the moral, ethical, philosophical, and emotional implications of her universe out one thread at a time. It's the kind of book that's a good, fun read the first time through, and then you find yourself turning it over again in your mind a week or two later until you decide to go back and read it again to find out what it was that you missed. Something hooked your subconscious, and you don't know what. Playing on three levels... The superhero story, but delightfully satirized, the human story of social rejects getting revenge, and the philosophical level where the reader is invited to ponder what simple concepts that we encounter every day, such as ownership or respect, really mean when you dig down into them. Playing for Keeps delivers depth and challenge wrapped up in pink spandex. Funny as hell, witty like wild, and filled with cliffhangers from start to finish, this is one book you shouldn't allow yourself to miss. Murr's making her run on Amazon today. Not tomorrow, as I mistakenly stated in my latest Antithesis episode, but today. So if you can order today, please do so. If you can't, do order as soon as you're able. This is one talent that the world deserves to discover, and putting her out into the limelight with her first novel is a big step towards that discovery. Stay tuned after the credits here for a promo of Murr's and a promo of mine. You're going to want to hear these, both because they're fun and because they'll lead you to free stuff that some of you are really going to enjoy. So until next time, this is Dan the Demented saying, get your mind out of the sewer. I want to be alone with my new copy of Playing for Keeps. When I get low, oh, I get high. Hi there. My name is Mer Lafferty, and last winter my superhero novel, Playing for Keeps, was the first book to be delivered via audio and PDF podcast at the same time. 20,000 people have enjoyed this novel, and now it's coming out in print. Playing for Keeps will be published by Swarm Press this August 25th. Many of you helped this book become one of the most popular in podcast history, and I'd like your help again. I need to make a splash on Amazon to push my book up the charts and get more exposure. So I'm asking you to head to Amazon on August 25th to purchase Playing for Keeps. Don't think that since I'm hitting print, I'm forsaking the podcasting. During the month of August, I'll be celebrating the print release of Playing for Keeps with several treats. I'm reawakening stories of the third wave, bringing you content connected to the world of Playing for Keeps from hot names in podcasting, like Christopher Lester, Casey Schultz, Matthew Wayne Selznick, J.C. Hutchins, and Matt Wallace, just to name a few. I'm holding a video contest for the song Playing for Keeps, where contestants can win Swarm books, Beatnik Turtle CDs, or a flip video camera. Close to the launch of the book, I'll be re-releasing the PDF, along with all of the original comic book art, styled by Jared Axelrod and Natalie Metzger, and an exclusive can't-find-anywhere-else short story called Parasite Awakens. And on the day of, the day when we do our assault on Amazon and make you all heroes of the 25th, You'll have frequent video updates from me, letting you know how the book is doing, and perhaps some messages from other podcasters. It should be very amusing. So go now to playingforkeepsnovel.com, right now, and subscribe to get the new content, the PDFs, and the video updates. And remember to go to Amazon.com on August 25th to purchase the book. 
I can't do it without you. Hey there. I'm looking for transport as far as I can get before the air runs out. Now I can pay. You want to know how to take down the U.S. government? Yeah. I think we can do business. I'll tell you what. You cut the deck. High card names as price. Oh, didn't I tell you? My name is Joss Kyle. Pleased to meet you. Now, cut the deck. Play your hand. But watch the dealer and join the resistance. From the author of Sculpting God, Antithesis, Book One, Predestination, and Other Games of Chance. A science fiction thriller by podcast novelist J. Daniel Sawyer. Subscribe today at www.jdsawyer.net. Predestination and Other Games of Chance. It isn't whether you win or lose. It's how you rig the game.